Events of the past 12 months have once again highlighted that Australia still has a long way to go when it comes to our relationship with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. 20 years on from the Reconciliation March of 2000, the path to reconciliation is still one that as a nation we have a long way to travel. In that spirit of reconciliation, I would like to offer my respects to the traditional owners of the land on which we meet, both past, present and emerging, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. Thank you for joining me today and welcome to Jitesh to the podcast. How are you? Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Uh, I'm really doing really well and uh, thank you for having me on. Yeah. It's an absolute pleasure. Now, Jitesh, uh, what part of the world are you joining me from? I'm based out of Melbourne, Australia. Um, I moved into uh, moved to Australia six years ago. I uh, love it. Um, been here, call Australia home now. Um, yeah. Very nice. Um, moved here from, or moved to Melbourne from? Uh, I'm, so I've travelled a bit around the world, uh, but I, I'm originally from um, Kerala, India. Uh, grew up there, um, have travelled a bit around in the US, Germany and so forth for work. Um, and then I d- made a decision to immigrate to Australia. Well, I think it's a great decision. We're happy to have you here. <laughs> um, how, how are things going for you in Melbourne? What's, what's happening? It's quite sunny, so that's quite nice in my part of the world. I have a nice view outside. So I've been, uh, over the last couple of months, I've joined a, a startup uh, called MAST. Uh, we are a construction technology startup. Uh, in the last um, three to four years, I have been working mostly in construction tech. And I love the space uh, because when I was young, I was passionate about architecture and how people build such a big you know, uh, things in the world and transform the face of the world uh, and how, like, it's hard to design small things and how do you how do you design big things? So that's always been something that I was quite passionate about. So in my parts of the world today in Melbourne, I am working in this construction tech startup, um, helping the team uh, build the design muscle. So tell me more about what you mean by construction tech? Is this sort of digital engineering type um, environments or something else? Um, actually, that's a really great question. And um, we call it contech. <laughs> uh, which we, we are not con jobs, but we <laughs> call it con, con tech. Um, construction technology is, just to give you an example, uh, it's not purely about architects, uh, software for the architects or designers and so forth. Um, if you look at the global GDP, um, construction alone contributes to um, around 7% of the GDP, right? And it's the most, uh, it's the least uh, digitally adopted industry in the world. And what I mean by that is everyone who works on construction projects that starts from your tradies, your project managers, subcontractors, head contractors, architects, clients, accounts, all of them put together, uh, they all need some form of digital um, touch points to make things better, faster, 
um, and um, it's to save time, to say to improve productivity and so forth. But mostly when I talk to people uh, and I say construction uh, technology, uh, their brain usually goes to Autodesk or um, architecture software, but that's that's the small part. And in the last six years, where what opened my eyes was there are other parts of uh, the, the, the work that they do that are not really transformed. So I can give a small example. If yeah, you please. do, a, um, let's say you might have some projects uh, in your lifespan where you are moving into a house or you've done a small construction renovation or something. And most of the time you might just find somebody to do the work or in, in Australia, I've seen most, most of the people are quite handy. They try to do things themselves, uh, labor shortages and so forth. Uh, but when you try to get things done properly, there are a lot of defects that come up, right? And uh, nobody, in, in even today in 2022, uh, those defects are not well managed. So that's one example where you can say, Tradies would, you know, say, oh, that's not my problem. You didn't give me the right spec. The spec was given, but they don't look at it because it's, and so forth and so on. But you look at the software world and like we live and breathe technology and there are tons of software coming in to solve the same problem, like um, issue management, defect management, so forth, when we build software. So that's the premise that I'm talking about. And I just gave you a glimpse into one of the tasks that we are all familiar with in terms of our homes. Yeah, wow. So um, how long has MAST been around? Uh, MAST been uh, only been around for two years. So we are an infant, we are a baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's it's quite a nice story. And that's one of the reasons I um, uh, love joining this company. So one of our founder, Doug Winston, uh, who was a project and program manager, he um, worked in the space for seven years and he was working with spreadsheets and Excel sheets and creating his own calculations and so forth. And he saw that this was a quite fragmented way of working. So he actually made the first MVP and got it, like designed it himself and um, sold the product. And um, now they've realized that uh, there's a, a need to do design uh, because um, they've done what they could. And this is one of the topics of my, my talk where I've worked closely with startup founders mm -hmm. and how they think about design and why they don't necessarily include designers in the beginning in the chase for getting the product out fast. And then they realize, oh, no, we need some designers to get this done well. Uh, I, I'm on... I have two, I have a couple of views on this, why they do it. And I love the, one of the things I love about founders is that their drive and passion to get and solve some problems that they see, right? Whether they know the right way or not, they, they have that energy to go and solve it. And that just rubs off on me, like, you know, um, you've sold me the vision and I, I can help you with my skills and experience to build it better. And I always go back to the story of uh, the boy um, that is saving seashell, uh, like um, starfishes on the beach. And the guy goes and asks, like, why are you throwing these starfish back into the ocean? Uh, you're not going to save all of them. Uh, and the boy said, uh, he throws one without listening to the guy and then turns around to the guy and say, well, I just made a difference to that starfish. And the next day, this guy goes and starts throwing the starfish back. And that's the kind of energy that I'm talking about, where 
you yeah. look at construction technology, not many designers come into the space to, to make these uh, flows better. And you see someone who's not a designer, trained as a designer, but saw the opportunity, um, made a product, like he even used all the digital tools that we use, like InVision, XOT, and he made it up. And he's quite passionate about design. He loves learning. So those are some examples of why I like working with founders who are mm-hmm. trying to solve um, problems or opportunities that they see in this uh, world. Yeah. I mean, as a, as a group, there's... Um, they almost sort of self-define with a bias towards action, um, yeah. which can be a good thing, you know, like yeah. they're, they're, they're clearly ready to do stuff. Um, yeah. And then like from a design research point of view, though, that can also be um, a challenge, you know, like just, yes. oh, let's, let's, let's ask some and questions. Let's just pause <laughs> for a moment. How, how's that going? So that's actually one of the key topics that I want to focus on in my talk. Um, How do you, uh, and because startups have limited budgets and there's a race to get things, and rightly what you said, the bias to act, uh, you probably need as a designer to pull them back to ask the right questions and so forth, right? (laughs) And uh, that's the challenge um, as a designer that is, um, that excites me. Um, I'm trying to build a team to do that as well. Um, So we are, at least at MAST, um, we are very focused that we are building a design uh, team that is research focused. And what I mean by that is we will be prioritizing more exploratory, generative, validatory research rather than just um, UI design or graphic design. That's great. Yeah, that's great. I mean, uh, that sets the team up well. I mean, that's that's the, the, the benefit of good foundational research is that you're more attuned to opportunities, you're more attuned to potential um you know, either new markets or or, or new features um, or new types of customer that you might start to um, start to engage with. It's much harder to demonstrate value in those areas quickly, though. I've found um, versus the evaluative testing, the evaluative research. Um, you know that that part of the design process where you can quickly you know, highlight some problems and recommend some solutions type of thing, you know, like, and within a fast-paced environment, that type of stuff can get traction. But the real value can take a bit of time. Yeah, and uh, I think that's a great topic you brought up, Steve. Uh, the value of design in the whole chain of process, right? That's one thing that I had a good opportunity to have good uh, conversation with the founders before I joined mm. and uh, we had uh, off work time we had some discussions around uh, I asked them how do they value uh, design right so it was more researching uh, the founders on where Smart. they sit on design yep. and, and uh, that was quite good because it opened up these conversations about where they see uh, high value so for example we had couple of themes that came up, like how do we reduce support cost? Okay. And and that one of the, and I didn't give a solution. I asked them like, so what do you think? How can design help to get that done? And like, and they, they gave obvious answers. Well, if the product is more intuitive and easy to use, then I don't think we may need to invest in training. So 
it for me as a uh, design research person all i had to do is extract that line and put it back to them this is our goal this is this our is goal so yes exactly That's and good. when it comes out from them uh, mm-hmm. then then it's like you know it's poured into so one one of so most people talk about the double diamond and the design process so forth from the design side of things right yeah. now these are very academic and we try to sell these processes to everybody but like i said when founders they have little knowledge about an academic way of designing they've done it through practical like i've done it i've established it like the product is out so they have that um myopic view of things now how do you bring them back and this is where you i think the value question is really really good and when you as a designer you pivot your conversations your actions and habits around saying that if you look at the double diamond is a if you know what you don't know that's high value right mm-hmm. so how do you put how do you get them to think about that and then they start giving answers about i think all the strategic initiatives i think we need to do research and and they say research then they don't know what kind of research and that's where you come in and like oh well we can help you with these kind of things so mm-hmm. so it's in the value chain uh, i try to bring the teams um, so i have got one more team member joining soon so i'm built so I've, i've become a team so that's a awesome. big win yes. uh, uh, so i'm trying to pull through and highlight their design and by the way when i say design i talk about the holistic process and it's not just i, I don't like uh, when people go out on their own craft and say i have a different view so I, when i say design it's a holistic thing and i'm trying to bring the founders up the value chain to say that research with uh, higher buck for your uh, value for your buck that you invest in and the other parts are much more easier and cheaper to do so yeah so that's that's the way i look at it. That's good. That's good. So um your first team member yeah is joining. Um what I mean, like that's that's always a challenge in itself but um do you have a sense for um how that team will grow over the next sort of 12 or 24 months? Yes. Um so currently the company how we are structuring ourselves is we are very much aligned with the product trio concept and outcome driven uh, product management mm-hmm. uh, and we are trying to uh, build teams around customer problems uh, okay. and uh, we current so we have a few things that are related to cost management and risk management and uh, we have a product uh, manager there so the way i've tried to carve out the design team is basically if there is a product manager uh, i am going to place a designer along with them so okay. that's and that, that yeah. was well yeah it was an easy conversation and the yeah. founders really bought into it mm-hmm. and that's how we are planning to grow so currently that's that we have two teams um and those two teams are trying to pro- uh, solve those two customer problems and that's how i've embedded two designers or planning to embed two designers uh our, our growth plan is that we are uh, finding new areas that we can um due to our feedback and different markets that we want to go into there are some strategic research activities that we are uncovering and saying that these are new problem spaces that we can get into and as they are uh, evolving um we will just replicate the same model got it and uh, we are not at the stage trying to invest a lot in design systems or research ops and so forth because mm-hmm. we are too like 
we are a baby so i think yeah. we will take we'll figure out how to walk we'll figure out how to talk yeah. and then we'll talk together eventually so i think yeah. it's all a need basis when we'll think about a different team that will look at scale yeah, yeah. i think um you know one of the challenges that you'll in- inevitably have to navigate is that tension between um you know a distributed design model like you've just described where the product manager is paired with a designer and you know like your your designer is effectively embedded within um that that problem focused team um versus the tension or versus the the desire to um have a design team that is coherent that socializes that shares knowledge that you know like you can you can talk to one another you can have an identity as the design team um rather than a collection of designers at last um and it's like a, i've i've seen that tension play out in, in a range of other companies um and it shifts backwards and forwards and and different design leads um have a preference for different things and and quite often the you know head of product will have a different view and and they'll they'll want to own the designer within their team versus you know sort of borrow them uh, occasionally so um i think that's that's going to be one that sounds like you'll you'll need to address but maybe not in this um sort of initial uh, period as you as you grow yes and um uh, i have been on the other side of uh, i've have i have around 17 years of design experience and some of the companies that i worked for i have been part on the other side of the fence where i have been the one that was pulled and let go into different teams yeah. and i have some exposure into those different models like federated model uh, central model and so forth mm-hmm. um and i think um right now i'm not thinking about that problem because we don't have that problem yet yes. so <laughs> yeah, yes. and uh, some of the things i am like thinking about is like maybe as the team grows like if we can think about the culture and how we form a closely knit uh, team maybe yes. we can probably navigate that in a different way i don't know at this stage <laughs> yeah potentially yeah but i i think in in some organizations it's driven more by you know control over budget and um you know internal influence and power rather than getting the right thing out to a customer to solve their problem well um yeah. it it sounds like you've got the right um the right framing around what you're trying to achieve there which is great and i've heard this uh someone say that don't ship your org structure and your customer doesn't want to see your org structure and yeah it's a good i think that's that's the one i keep in mind like i don't want to be in a state where the design and the product shows how the team is disjointed yes. where one part of the product is really good and the other part is not so good because it's like yeah. the low priority so we just didn't invest in it yeah. So. yeah 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 and i think we see that in in government services quite a lot where yeah. you know what we see is an outward manifestation of government departmental structures rather than any real attempt at at understanding a, a a person's need or or the way in which people um conceive of and engage with government that sounds really good to test it's been it's been great talking to you and i i look forward to hearing much more about this topic when you speak at um at design research um in mid march 
Thanks, Steve. And it was really nice chatting to you. And I hope you have a really good day ahead. Thank you very much. And, and thanks for joining us. We'll see you soon. Thank you.